Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. And you are in for a treat today. I hope you're in for a treat. Uh, Today we will be continuing our sermon series in the Lord's Prayer. So we practice what is called expositional preaching, which means we preach slowly through books of the Bible. But every now and then uh, we take a we take a moment and step back and start talking about a spiritual discipline. And this month we have been focusing in on prayer or the Lord's Prayer. And we are coming from Matthew chapter six. Uh, Today we will be focusing in on verse 11. And as we continue our sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, and our series is called Prayer on Mission. I pray that this is a blessing for you and that we leave this place encouraged that God is with us as we're on mission. So our passage today will be coming from Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, a very familiar passage and a very familiar phrase. It simply says, give us today our daily bread. Will you go with me to the Lord who provides for us in prayer this time? Father, as Wayne said, help us to trust you, to look to you as our provider. Father, I pray today as we dive into your word that you would show off to us your beautifulness, how, how, glory, how glorify, glorious you are and how you do provide for you people, how you've always provided for you people, and you will continue to provide for your people. Father, I pray today if we have come in here heavy burdens about the stress of this world, if we have come in here anxious and tired, anxious and worried, if we have come in here just broken down, needing hope, that we would look to you and cast all of our burdens upon you, that we would come to you so that you can give us rest. Lord, we need you. We need you today. We need your spirit to move in us and to encourage us today. We need a place where we can come and know that we will be taken care of. We will be fully satisfied. So, Lord, I pray that I decrease, you increase, that you would show off the beauty of your word. You would show off the beauty of who you are. And that we would leave this place rejoicing and trusting you even more with our lives. So we lift all these things up to you. It's in your precious son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our sermon today is called Provision for for the Mission. In 1835, there were only a dozen orphanages in all of England and Wales, Uh, but there was a problem. They charged fees to care for the children. So poor children who became orphans had to move in with relatives or they were sent to work in the warehouses or work in the fields. But there was this pastor 
an English, German, German English pastor named George Mueller. He saw this problem and he just began to pray. He began to start praying about opening an orphanage. And as he began to pray, this crazy thing happened. Money just began to come in, even though he didn't solicit money from people. His vision was a simple vision. He wanted to open up an orphanage for people, or for children who were truly orphaned, having lost both parents. And he, re- he planned to never turn any away due to poverty or race. And then he said he would educate the children so that they would leave that place and be trained in a trade. And he lived under this simple mantra. The simple mantra is, God will provide. He talked with people about the need for caring for these little ones. And as he just told them, listen, we have a problem. These orphanages to be taken care of, gifts and furniture, money, dishes, all these things just began to come in. And Mueller kept a detailed record of every gift showing how he could be a faithful steward to everything that God was blessing. And then all of a sudden people showed up offering to teach and work in the orphanage. And he even found a place to rent at a very low value during that time. When everything was finally ready, he had a problem. There was no orphans, orphans to care for. See, Mueller had been praying that God provide, provide for this vision you got for me, but the orphans weren't there yet. So, as Mueller lived under this mantra, God provides, what did he do? He started praying. He started praying again, and the first house he opened, there was 30 girls in this house. 30 orphans that he would take care of. But that wasn't the final house that he opened. Then he opened a second and a third house. And the first two years, everything was going well, but the next seven years, things got pretty hard. Sometimes when mealtime arrived, there was no food in the house. But he lived under the mantra, God will provide. And when they prayed every time, in the last moment, food would just be brought for the children. There's this funny story. It's written in Christianity.org if you want to look up about George Mueller. It tells about how the house house mother told Mueller, uh, the children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food to eat. George told her to take the 300 children into the dining room, have them sit at the table. And then he did what he always did. He stopped, he prayed, he thanks God for food, and he waited. Well, George just knew God will provide because he's always been providing, he's always been showing up. Within minutes, a baker came knocking on the door saying, Mr. Mueller, last night I couldn't sleep. Somehow, I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and I just baked three batches for you. Can I bring it in? Soon after the baker brought the bread in, there was another knock on the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. And he said, the milk is going to spoil by the time the will is fixed. He asked George if you could use some free milk. George smiled and welcomed the milkman in and brought in 10 large cans of milk. And it was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. See, Mueller lived under the mantra, God 
provides. He lived his life that way. He followed Christ that way. Even in his autobiography, he said, I just want to show off how rich and wonderful my God is, not so I can be seen as rich, but so they can see my God provides. So he knew if he was following and trusting God with his life, he would give provision. And if his mission is to to serve God and God is giving this mission, God will give provision for his mission. Today in our text, we see Jesus telling his disciples, when you pray, pray provision. Now, before we dive into our text, I think we need to kind of take a few steps back since it's been a few weeks and just see where we've been so far. You see, in verse 9, it starts off telling us to set our focus on our holy God who is making us like the Son, holy. And then in verse 10, he says, pray that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, telling us to pray that God's kingdom will come immediately, quickly, that his will be done in the world. And I told you how his church are the ones who are living out showing off a glimpse of his kingdom here on earth at this time. Today in our text, we, we're going to approach this text kind of taking three approaches to it. First is we're going to address give today, addressing how we can cast our anxieties on the Father on everyday issues, how we can just trust him every day. The second thrust or the second approach we're going to take to this text is daily bread, showing how God provides what we need and not just what we need, but when we need it. And the third approach to this text is the us and our of the text. As he gives us our needs, it shows that he gives us sometimes more than enough so that we can also take care of one another. So starting in give today, casting our anxieties on God. First, in the first century, the Israelites, the people that Jesus is speaking to, they knew what it meant to actually be afraid of food scarcity. See, during those times, they had these things called famine. See, we in America don't know much about famines. Famines means not only will there not be any food, but there's no way to even get any food. There's no way to even find a way to produce. We actually hear about that in the story of the prodigal son. When he got the riches from his father, he left. They said a great famine hit the ground. We, we always think about that story, meaning the prodigal son just squandered all of his riches. But actually, a famine hit, and then he wasn't even able to produce any more riches. Times would get so hard that they would literally sell themselves or their children into slavery just to make sure that they had enough to make ends Meet these people that Jesus was telling that you should give today to understood what it means to lack. They understood what it means to need to not see where our next meal would come up. If anyone should be anxious, these people knew how to be anxious. In America, we don't have that problem. We don't have that issue about uh, uh, where's our next meal going to come from. Many of us probably are just thinking about what we're going to eat after we leave here trying to pick what restaurant we're going to go to, trying to think about, man, what I got at the house. We might not know, uh, we might not have always what we want to eat, but we don't worry about starving to death. 
But even though we don't worry about starving to death, we are pretty anxious people when it comes to resource and money and, and, and just and, and property and time. We are such an anxious people. If I could be honest, while I was putting this sermon together, I was like, Lord, I hate talking about money. That is just something that every time money comes up, I remember a few, um, in fact, it might have been two years ago, sitting in James' office, and we were talking about budgeting, and I started getting in cold sweats. Because I was just like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm an anxious person when it came to riches, and it came to all these treasures. I was always stressed about money. Are you stressed about money? Are, are you stressed about where your resources are going to come from? Are you stressed about tomorrow and all that comes with that? Don't worry, you're not alone. Matter of fact, American Psychological Association, they wrote this article saying the sur- the, they conducted a survey uh, by Harris Poll on behalf of the APA, American Psychological Association, among 3,068 adults in August of 2014. So this was August 2014 when things weren't that bad. 2022, things look a little crazier. But in 2024 or 2014, it wasn't actually that bad. But listen what it says. It says they found that 72% of Americans, Americans reported feeling stressed about money, at least some of the time during the past month. 22% said they experienced extreme stress about money during the past month. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least and 10 being the greatest, many of them said, I stress at a level of 8, 9, even 10 at times when it comes to money. You see, for the, and, and it continues on, for the majority of Americans, 64%, uh, money is somewhat of a very significant source of stress, but especially for parents of children before the, below the age of 18 and younger adults, 77% of parents, that, and then that's 77% of parents, that's 75% of millennials, ages 18 to 35, and 76% of Gen Xers, that's ages 36 to 49, which means family, even if, don't matter where you're on a spectrum, more than likely you probably stress about money every now and then. You, you worry about where is it going to come from? How am we going to do this? How am I going to pay for my child's college tuition? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to get out of debt? We are a stressful people when it comes to money. But it's interesting that the same Jesus who told the people, God will give you today. He will take care of you today. Also said later on in the same chapter in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 30. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he takes us to this elaborate picture, this illustration. He says, think about the birds. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't reap, they don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? 
And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. That's how God clothes the grass or the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. Won't he do much more for you? You of little faith. Jesus is telling us, why are you stressing about these things? These things don't bring hope. Money does not bring hope. Money is a wonderful resource. It is not a place to find your hope and joy in. Your job does not bring hope. It's a wonderful resource. You should be a good steward of it. But it is not a place to put your joy and hope in. Not only, and we could even take it a step further, not just money, but anything that stresses you out. Your relationship capital, that does not bring hope. Relationships are a wonderful thing. We should all steward it very well. But it's not a thing to put your hope in, to find your joy in. Jesus, the same one that told us in in verse 9, look to the Father in heaven, is now saying, as you're looking to the Father in heaven and you're worrying about today, look to God. Cast your anxieties on him. Put your, take your concerns to him. He will take care of you today. Not, not Not a he'll one day take care of you. Everything will work out. No, no, no. He's saying, no, right now, God will take care of you. And here's the funny thing is the, the Israelites that Jesus was speaking to, they had evidence of how God has taken care of his people before. See, they actually had the Torah. They actually had the stories of Moses when, Jesus, when God had taken his people out of Egypt and they were in the great exodus and they were in the middle of the wilderness. And when they got hungry, God started to make it rain. And not make it rain dollar bills, but he started to make it rain literal food from the heavens to care for his people. When they got thirsty, they might have not brought a milk carriage to, in front of them, but he put a rock in front of them. He said, strike the rock and I'll bring you water. He, they knew what it meant to rely on God and we have the same God that we can rely on today. Amen. That we can cast our anxieties on him today. My question for you is, what is keeping you from casting your anxieties on him? What are you running to? What is that relationship you're running to? What is that, money, the, that job you're running to? What are these things you run to that you're hoping one day will make me feel better? Maybe it's not relationships. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's all these other things that we're just hoping it'll make me feel better for a moment. Jesus said, don't look to those things. The birds don't look for fleeting pleasures. They are taken care of. The grass does not have to worry about a a moment of being covered. They are taken care of, and we are greater than those things. Today, we can cast our anxieties on God. Then it's almost funny because he digs it in a little deeper going into our daily bread. A daily bread in the Greek is a very interesting word because that word daily does not show up anywhere else in in the Bible. And it doesn't show up anywhere in secular Greek. It's actually a compound of two words. The best way we can translate it possibly is day by day. Today and tomorrow. As you go. I'll provide just what you need. 
Listen, Jesus was telling the people, you don't have to worry about going hungry. You don't have to worry about where your next meal is going to come from, where your clothes are going to come from, because I'll provide for you just as you need it. He is not surprised about the things that we will encounter. He is not surprised about the situations we are encountering. He provides in the moment. Uh, this isn't in my notes, but I remember this parable uh, or, the, or this uh, illustration from a sermon. Uh, I think H.B. Charles spoke, and he said, a little girl said, when, you know, God, uh, father, H.B. Charles saying that a little girl was talking to a father, and he said, she said, uh, if I had to become a martyr, I don't know if I'm prepared. And he said, when I send you to get on the train, do I give you the money before you got to go to the train? or right when you gotta go to the train? She said, right when I gotta go to the train? He said, yes, because I'll prepare you for the moment you gotta go into it. God is preparing his people. He takes care of his people in the moment when he needs, we need to be taken care of. And he's not surprised in the times that come, uh, the things that come at us and the issues that come before us, he knows what it is because he's orchestrating all these things. So he takes care of us day by day. Matter of fact, in the same chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 34, he continues on. He says, so don't worry, saying what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. That's for the Gentiles to eagerly seek. That's for the non-believers, those people who don't have a good father. That's for them to, to seek. But you, your heavenly father knows all that you need. He knows that you need them, but he tells you first, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own evils. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Each day has its own troubles of its own. What Jesus was trying to tell the disciples and the Israelites that were present, hey, don't worry about what's ahead of you. Worry about right now. Be present right now. Seek God right now. Look to him right now, and he provides for you right now. Whether it be food, whether it be money, whether it be, whether it be clothes, whether it be where you're going to stay, he provides for his people. He is a good and gracious king who knows how to care for us. Do you trust this good and gracious king? Do you trust that he knows how to care for you? One thing that uh, blew my mind as I was preparing this sermon, um, if you ever want to see a fun Google search, search in prayers of riches, search what is the prayer I should pray to become rich? And there's like 30, uh, 300,000 Google pages. Yet, nowhere in the Bible does it tell us to pray to become rich. It says, pray for the things that you need. Pray that you'll be taken care of. Pray that you will be sustained. Seek me and I got you because you're mine. Contrary to what many prosperity preachers will preach and, and what some other people may preach, uh, you don't have to put a dollar on the, offer, the altar. You don't have to run after God and say, make me a millionaire. No, he's like, I know what you need. I, I got you. I got you. And that's why the psalmist 
can declare such clearly and so, so clearly and so boldly in Psalm 84, verse 11 through 12. He says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord grants favor and honor. He does not withhold the good from those who live with integrity. Happy or blessed is the person who trusts in you who trust in God, the Lord of armies, the one who fights on our behalf. We are a people who are supposed to seek him, look to him, and be provided for and cared for by him. And he gives us exactly what we need. But not only does he give us what he need, Paul says in Philippians, that he gives us the riches of his glory. He pours out his riches on us, and sometimes he gives us more than what we need. But more than what we need is not for us to build bigger barns. Again, Jesus preached against this exact thing later on in the Gospel of Matthew. He said it was foolish for the man to build bigger barns because that night his soul was required of him. Meaning, be a good steward with what I bless you with. Take care of the things I bless you with, not so that you can be elevated and glorified, but so I can be elevated and glorified. Which leads us into the final part of our sermon, kind of the us and our of this text. It's very interesting that he wasn't talk, telling them to pray with a singular mindset. Let's read this text as a whole. It says, give us today our daily bread. Not saying give me today my daily bread, but he said, no, no, as a people collectively, you pray that he give us an hour See, the Lord's Prayer, we expressed our dependence on God, and we also recall our duty of working for our sustenance as well as the sustenance of others as we share with them what we have. Isn't it interesting that every time God establishes people, we look at that in Deuteronomy, the first thing he told them is there should be no poor among you. Make sure you take care of each other. What's the next thing he does when after the, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls, Acts chapter 2. What's the first thing he say? Take care of those around you. Make sure there is no needy among you. Even if that means sell your goods, take care of those around you. Family, he blesses us not so that we can be good, but he blesses us so that his family can be taken care of. Maybe today you're not stressing about what your next meal is, but you don't know if your brother is or your sister is. Maybe today you're not stressing about what you're going to wear, but maybe your brother or your sister is. And we, as his people who have been blessed by him, who seek him faithfully every day, and he take care of us day by day as we go, he says, and whatever is left over, that is also for my glory. We are called to be a people who steward the riches of God on earth. Later on in the Gospel of Matthew, when Jesus was talking about how he will show the difference between those who are his and those who aren't his, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34 through 40, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And listen how he distinguished them. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I, I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous, maybe like us, will be confused. They said, Lord, when did we, you, we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you? And did we see you sick? Or in prison and visit you? And Jesus responds to him, and king, the king will answer, truly I tell you, whatever you do to the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Family, as we are praying that the Lord will give us exactly what we need every day as we go, as we're casting our anxieties and our burdens on him, he's also giving us more than enough, not just so that we can get fat and, fat and happy, but so that our brothers and sisters are taken care of. I was wondering the question, wait, what about those in third world countries or other, these, other, these other places that starve to death? And I was reminded that there's no such thing as God forsaken places, but there's a lot of church forsaken places. There, there's a lot of communities that the church is not being faithful with, that they're not stewarding their riches in. I even think about our neighborhood. Our community happens to be what they consider a food desert, or better yet, what I heard a Christian, uh, a, a Christian ethics professor says is actually it's a, a food swamp, meaning that this neighborhood has food, but the food that it has is also poisonous and killing it. And my first question is, where's the church? Where, where are those who have been taken care of? The Lord is taking care of us. He is taking care of his people. And where are we in stewarding our resources to make sure the people around us are taken care of also? So that kind of leads into exactly who we are as a church. Like I said, we are a people that's called by Jesus first, meaning we are called to him. We are his. We belong to him. We are those who have responded out of the darkness and called into the light to go back into the darkness. But we've also been connected to one another. Which means we carry and carry the burden of each other. We glorify God together. We live as though we are one, yet we are individuals. We've also been called to be commissioned, caring for those around us, caring to welcome in potential family members from our neighborhood. As we are seeking God's face, as we are wanting to express his kingdom on earth as we're asking God provide for us as a church body, provide for us as a household, as individual households, that should also bleed over into, and as you provide for me, Father, help me provide for my brothers. Help me take care of those around me. Help me think about more than myself. That's why the psalmist writes, he says, I have been old, young and old, yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his children begging for bread. He, always, he is always generous, always lending, and his children, listen to this, are a blessing. Amen. Meaning, as he is taking care of us, always lending to us, we in turn are a blessing wherever we go. We literally show off a piece of his glory wherever we go. That's what we're called to, to be a present people, 
present everywhere we're going. Celebrate discipleship by bringing more into the family. Making sure that as we're doing this, we're also connecting them not just to our church, but churches around us, kingdom unity. Thinking about the welfare of our community. Our community development, community partnerships, how do we make sure that everyone around us, as we go into the place, they say, oh, this is, this is people that's been touched by the kingdom. It's been touched by God. And lastly, this is a justice issue. That's why we practice gracious justice. Making sure we restore everything around us. And see, here's the thing. We can trust that he provides, not just because of the testimony of George Mueller, not just because of the testimony of how he's taking care of the Israelites in the desert, but he's provided for our true poverty, our spiritual poverty, the thing that has separated us, that has made us the most bankrupt, the most poor. He has, he has provided for our soul to be magnified and glorified to be running over with the riches of his glory. How has he provided for us? Well, he provided for us with the one thing that could actually save us. The one thing that could actually transform us. The one person who could actually make us whole. A savior. He provided for us first and foremost his own son. Romans, 8, Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, not after we got out of sin, after we got our life together, after we learned how to steward our lives and become better with, and, and, and steward our poverty, no, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. While, while, while we still empty and broke, Christ died for us, and that's why we know he's faithful to continue to provide for his people because he's been providing from the beginning. The very thing that brought us into this kingdom is the thing that provides and the thing that continues to provide and that uses us to provide for others around so they can say, wait, what is this? What part of, what kind of, what kind of people are you? What, what, what kind of government and system y'all live under? What is this? We're people that's been provided for. That's been taken care of. We're, we're, we're people who are provided for in our depression and our anxieties and our worries and our stress. He is the one who took it all on himself and said, I'll make you whole. I'll give you exactly what you need day by day. You can trust me. You can look to me. I have provided for you. Family, I leave you with this question. Do you believe the one who has provided for you? Do you believe that he has actually provided a way for you to experience his riches fully? Or are you still looking for another means? If you're looking for another means, let me tell you ahead of time before you run off the cliff, that road don't go nowhere. It's a dead end. But if you want to experience the richness, this real bread of life, the Eucharist that came from heaven itself that we feast on when we take communion, if you want to experience that, the one who truly provides for us and live as his agents in this world that continues to provide for our community, I invite you today, you can accept him. You can experience the provision that has been laid out before us. You can become a part of the family that was promised that they would have no worries, they would have no concerns, that he takes it on himself.
would you respond to this God who provides? Would you accept his provision? Let's pray to that God who provides. Father, we are so thankful that you proved to us first and foremost that you do take care of us because you saw us in the moment that we truly needed to be taken care of. In our desperate state, where we were separated from you, where we were empty, dying, you provided a way out, a propitiation, a payment for our sins. Father, I pray today that as your people, we live as those who seek you daily for everything that you are pouring out to us, and as you pour out on us, that we take care of those around us. Forgive us for the times when we have forsaken communities, saying that you are not there when you have told us, no, the reason I'm not there is because you're not there. Father, I pray that we are a people who run into this community, run everywhere we go, celebrating how we are making disciples, leading them back to you, showing them your goodness, and trusting that you are a promise keeper. Father, for those who may have not accepted you today, accepted you yet, I pray that you would draw them to yourself with love and kindness, showing that you are such a good and gracious king who does provide for our soul's need. I pray that your word was preached clearly, that we see you more beautiful today, and that our hearts are pulled towards you seeking your kingdom first. So Lord, we lift all these things up to you. In your son Jesus' name, amen.